We'll recap day four of action in the World Juniors group stage. Canada gets upset by Sweden and gets shut out. I will talk about that and a lot more on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects rated for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down day four of action in the World Juniors group stage. There were four games, and all four of them were really, really interesting. So we'll get into that, break down what happened in those games. Um, there were a couple upsets, some really interesting score lines. A lot of players had really good performances. Uh, we'll get into all of that. We'll also delve a bit more into the Canada-Sweden game in our second segment, including the fact that uh, Matt Savoy probably got injured in that game because Jagger Furkis just got called up uh, and will be playing with Team Canada. We'll be joining them in Sweden uh, for the rest of the tournament there. So we'll talk about what we can expect from him as well. Uh, and then in our third segment, we'll do a very simple three stars of the day uh, for day four. There were, again, a lot of really good performances from a lot of really good players. So we'll get into that and break that down as well. But before we get into it, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 that you can get if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So let's get things started with the first game of day four, Slovakia versus Norway. It ended up 8-4 in favor of Slovakia. Um, that's a score that fans will like, right? Uh, a lot of players performed really well. Um, some high scores in that game. Uh Dalibor Dvorsky and Servak Petrovsky for Slovakia both earned two goals and two assists in that game. Um, but there were some other really interesting score lines here as well. Talk me through it. Yeah, for sure. It was a very fun game. Uh, we saw some very good players put up a lot of points, as you mentioned. I think some standouts in my eyes would be Michael Brandsag Nugard, who scored two very pretty goals, showcasing his impressively powerful release on yeah. top of his high-end work ethic. Like I think I think it was his first goal where he was just pressuring in the defensive zone and just completely outworked and outpaced the Slovakian defenseman to get through on goal and uh, quite quite confidently pod home that that that, that goal. Uh, and the other one was Philip Meshar, who was the creative fulcrum of the uh, Slovakian team in this game. He registered three assists, which may have been a bit more subtle compared to the the, the two goal to assist performances of Petrovsky and Dvorsky, but I thought that he was really the, the offensive catalyst for them. But yeah, a ton of really, really fun performances here. Yeah, absolutely. I also really like Max Seamstrabach's game. Um, you know, watching back and seeing uh, the way that he that he earned his three assists, but also the way that he played defensively. I know that Norway managed to score four goals against Slovakia. It was an off game for Adam Gayon, um, but overall, I thought that Maxim Sherbach was really a focal point of that defense. He played really well. Um, you know, showcased his ability to close gaps. But Maxim Sherbach has always been that kind of um, that that mold of intelligent defenseman. He's not the, necessarily the type of defenseman who's going to out muscle players, but he will outthink them consistently. 
Uh, and yeah, he's a really, really interesting prospect on that back end for Slovakia. Um, and yeah, overall, I mean, who, who do you think had the best game of these uh, of these two teams in this matchup? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I know that, that, that you're partial to Servak Petrovsky in here, and we'll get yeah. a lot more into that that performance later on in the third segment when we look over our three stars of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little shout out to Philip Mashar, who has just been lights out in this tournament. He's really, really been the dynamic piece that Slovakia has needed. And yeah. uh I mean, this roster is looking really, really good being led by him on a creative standpoint. You yeah. just have to imagine what it would look like if they'd been able to bring guys like Slavkovsky and Nemets to this tournament. It would have been exceptionally fun. Absolutely. Um, even though um, a- Adam Shakora is the captain of that team officially, I think Philip Meshar is the leader on the ice. He, the, the performances he's been putting through are just off the charts. He's been extremely good at this tournament, showcasing why, um, you know, Habs fans were wrong to kind of sort of write him off uh, throughout the last year. I know he had an off year with Kitchener, but he has been really, really good. Uh, but moving on to the 4 nothing win of Finland over Latvia, Yeri Lasila had a three-point game in that in that game, and he's been just lights out all tournament, right? He, he You know, if if Finland is known for not having necessarily the high higher-end um, offensive roster and being more of a kind of um, stacked defensively type of roster, I think Yeri Lasila has been the guy who they can kind of default to when they need an offensive performance. And yeah, he's been solid overall. Um, any other standouts for you in that game? Any anyone that might have might have popped off the ra- radar? Because for me, it was Lasila all the way. I, I think that was really his game. It, it, it certainly was. Like he was the, he was the standout piece for Finland, and I think the fact that. This is an, an undrafted player who is not only leading his team offensively, but is also captaining Finland at this tournament. It's a really good story, and he'll definitely get some draft consideration. I'm definitely going to start digging into some some of his regular league footage and kind of see how he's improved over the last year or two uh, to kind yeah. of track to see if he's an undrafted player that we're going to have our eyes on at Dabra Prospects uh, for the 2024 draft class. But mm-hmm. the other one is one that we've already talked about extensively in Jesse Polkinen, who yeah. scored a really pretty goal, just continues to uh, shine as a mobile and really fun, skilled and fluid defenseman. He's fluid yeah. in everything he does, whether it be his transition defending or his handling, especially has just been light set all tournament. Yeah. Uh, another very fun game for him. Absolutely. He's so unique too. It's so rare that you see a six foot six defenseman who can, whose main attribute is his hands. It's just, it's really, it's really surprising. Uh, but moving on to, um, I think the tighter game of, of all of these, um, Czechia versus USA ended up with a four, three shootout win for USA. Um, a really interesting shootout as well. Um, Jacob Fowler was lights out in the shootout, um, was kind of hung out to dry on the three goals, um, during, you know, regulation, that were scored uh you know a lot of situations where it was a low to high play where a player was left alone in the slot um that was two of the goals another one was a pinpoint cross ice pass um to, to to the other side where uh where a check player put it in so i just i struggled to see you know what jacob fowler could have done differently in those games and so far he's sub 900 in both of the games that he played but in both cases it was just the defense in front of him not doing much to help him out um but what was really interesting about that game was Lane Hudson was basically used as a defensive defenseman. Like, yeah, he, he saw some 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 power play time, but he was 
always on the ice on the penalty kill. He was he was thrown out in the in the defensive zone for defensive zone faceoffs. I mean, he was effectively used the way that you know you would expect a Ryan Chesley to be used. And I know they're paired up, but like that's just strange to me. He just wasn't put in the situations that he's usually put in, and despite that, had a really good game, right? He did. I thought he was very impactful. It was just a very different type of game that you're not used to seeing from Lane Hudson. He did have one very pretty assist. The one point he did register was on the assist to his his pairing mate, Ryan Chesley, where he was really, it it was his first big offensive incursion in that game where he kind of picked up the puck in the defensive zone, just brought it up the ice all on his own, got pretty deep behind the net, and then just sent a pinpoint pass to the high slot where Chesley got got a nice one-timer opportunity and put the puck in the back of the net yeah uh, but overall it was a very subtle game where he was as you said entrusted with those defensive opportunities and while on the one hand i find it really interesting to kind of see him in those positions because going back to his draft year we've always seen hudson in insulated roles if he's playing less minutes kind of playing like an all offense role or if he's being fed three minutes a night like he is at bu it is mm-hmm. every single offensive zone draw and in this game is very different zeev buyam was getting a lot of the power play opportunities he was getting a lot of the offensive zone faceoffs, and lane hudson was left to the defensive work and uh, i thought it was fascinating i, I don't think it's what you it's the strategy that gets the most out of Lane Hudson and brings the most value to your team, but it definitely shows that there is some more versatility to his game than perhaps fans are, are are used to seeing, and that the defensive side of his game has progressed a significant amount since his draft year. Oh, for sure, and that's a, that's a key element. Um, I also want to mention the fact that the the Smith Perot Leonard line um, was key in this game. Um, even yeah. though they only earned a point collectively, it wasn't a three goal game. So, you know, but overall their play it was a gorgeous goal. Or the, it was a really, really on. it was beautiful. And yeah. it showed the exact chemistry that, that they had been building up for so long. Yeah. It was a very nice one. Absolutely. Um, outside of that, I still think Cutter Goche needs to work on a shot selection that's continued to be a concern, um, which is weird because he basically only has assists in this tournament so far. Um, but yeah, his, his shot selection has been completely off. Um, outside of that, I thought Nicholas Coco, uh, not Nicholas Coco, um, uh, Michael Hrabal had a decent game. Uh, that was a really good game for the goaltender for Czechia. And yeah, I mean, overall, I thought USA should have won that game. Um, but the three key mistakes uh, that Czechia capitalized on, and that's the type of that's the type of thing that happens usually that makes you lose a game as a as a favorite in in, in a matchup, right? Um, but yeah. Isaac Howard was fantastic as well. Scored the first goal, scored the shootout winner. I loved the celly as well, slicking back the hair, all that good. So we know how Isaac Howard is a showman. He, he's shown that time and time again. I, I think back to his draft year where he showed up with <laughs> a massive belt and a, and a cowboy hat. It's just Ike Howard. He, he, this is this is the these are the moments he lives for, and I'm 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 excited to see him kind of try to step it up as the quarterfinals, semifinals, and hopefully finals come around. Um, and yeah. It's a great performance overall from Howard and, and Team USA, and they win it in the shootout. But that wraps things up for our first segment. We'll get to our second segment where we talk about pretty much the biggest and most viewed game on that day of Canada versus Sweden. Um, on Swedish ground, it was a really interesting performance. We'll talk about what went wrong for Canada, what the score was, who was good, who was bad. We'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up. 
but there's still time to get in, in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub to find the best way uh, for popular parlays. So visit fandle.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fandle, official partner of the NFL. All righty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about pretty much the most viewed game from last from day four, and that was Canada versus Sweden. Um, Sweden won 2 nothing uh, over Canada in that game and just outplayed them in every element. But I think the key elements in which uh, Sweden outplayed Canada were the most important. They played with more structure. They, they, they played with more purpose. They played with more um, defensive acumen and overall just outthought and out outranked them in terms of their overall ability to play as a team. Canada seemed more like a bunch of individuals on the ice, except for maybe 20 minutes of the game where the Beck Danielson Allard line really seemed like a good shutdown cohesive line. Yeah. Outside of that, they had to mix up all this all the all the lines because nothing was working in terms of, of chemistry and cohesiveness, right? It was a tough game to watch for Canada. Like there was a real lack of chemistry and with Sweden, these are all players that have been playing together for so long. And with Team Canada, there's a lot of just mix and matching. Yeah. And I think that familiarity really showed in this game specifically. Like the defensive structure was as solid as what you'd expect from a team of highly skilled 19-year-olds that have been playing together for the last three years. And they've been playing together, but quite sporadically. So the fact that, that they are looking this compact, this structured, is a testament to just how strong that, that defensive core and the coaching on that team is. Yeah. But for Canada, it was difficult. Again, Macklin Celebrini was the spark plug in that lineup. He was creating opportunities, and we saw him like finish closer to like top six minutes i think he finished off with like 16 and a half minutes and yeah is now uh dressing as a first line center at practice so thankfully that that is happening now and i think canada stands a better chance with him uh playing as many minutes as possible especially against these like composed defenses but yeah yeah it was a rough game especially for like the players that were playing those first line minutes to start the game like connor geeky really struggled to create things offensively Jordan yeah. Dumais has been a near non-factor offensively in this tournament so far. And he's his lack of pace, I think, has really been in the spotlight uh, where he's consistently getting himself to dangerous positions, getting the puck in dangerous positions. But the pace to pull off a play to read what is happening quickly enough to uh, create opportunities against the best defenses in this tournament just hasn't yeah. quite been there yet. Uh, so hopefully, like adding Jagger Furcus into this mix could change something because it looks like Matt Savoy is out with injury now for the rest yeah. of the tournament. And they're calling in Jagger Furcus as reinforcements who, I mean, of all the players that Canada could be adding to the roster, he is one that really could inject a lot of skill and dynamism into the lineup, which they desperately lacked in this game against Sweden. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other element of that is just, you know, you're looking at the, the you mentioned Jordan Dumais. I, I don't think he's the only player in 
what we would consider kind of the top six or top nine of Canada oh, officially that has been absent. I mean, yeah. Fraser Minton, who's their captain, has not been performing up to par. Easton Cowing as well has been, um, you know, kind of waning in and out of, of yeah. these games. Um, and he's not the only one. Braden Yeager. I mean, even Carson Rakoff, who is probably the best shooter on that team is only is only being five. given four minutes a night. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, it doesn't make sense. And then you add to that, the fact that Macklin Celebrini is still kind of riding the pine on that bottom six. I thought after his, after the last game he had, where he absolutely thrashed his opponents uh, in Latvia and scored five, five points against them. I thought it's inevitable that he would get a shot up there. Um, and also Matt Savoy has not been up to par. Um, looking at that team, it was very clear that they were lacking two things, enough skill and enough structure um in in the top six at least so i think jagger fergus getting injected into that top six would be fantastic for that for that um for that team but i would not be surprised for, to see them kind of i would not be surprised to see canada throw out a, a fourth line of carson rakoff macklin celebrini and and jagger fergus and just anger the hell out of all of us i would not be surprised at all uh, I, I mean, yeah. I think at the very least, Celebrini is going to be in the top line uh, from now on out Hopefully. because that was a true wake-up call against Sweden. But yeah. look, Canada has the personnel to turn this around. They have the personnel to play a skill-based style of play, yeah. but they've been opting not to. And they could put guys like Rakoff, Wood, and uh, and and now Jagger Furks into that top six, the top nine, to really add some goal-scoring elements because they have more than enough like solid defensive pieces for that bottom six, but yeah. they've been eating up all the offensive minutes, which has not exactly helped Canada so far in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I think a line of Minton, Cowan, and Savoy works way better as a third line than a first or a second. I it agree. Just, it doesn't, it, it, it's not computing with me right now. And you look at their defense as well, and they got solid pieces in there. Their goaltender, Matisse Rousseau, was the only reason they were even close in this game. Like He was excellent. He was fantastic in that game. He made a ten bell, ten bell save. Just basically did the splits and caught the puck with his with the tip of his skate. Uh, and he wowed uh, King Hen Henrik in doing yeah, so. If if Henrik Lundqvist is looking up at the replay and going wow audibly in front of cameras, you know you did good. Uh, so yeah, Matsis Rousseau was really, I think, the only player from Team Canada that can comfortably say deserved, uh, you know, some flowers after this game because overall it was just a disappointing performance from everyone. And again, the lack of chemistry, the lack of cohesiveness was, was extremely clear, especially when Canada just started throwing any lines out there to pray that something happened and nothing was working because, again, there wasn't any, there was there are not enough complementary skill sets in 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 this roster that can work together. Again, that Beck, Danielson, Allard line, throw them out there against the best, they'll do their job. For sure. Outside of that, it's a bit confusing. Uh, but that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll get into our third, where we do the three stars of today's games, um, of day four's games, rather. We'll get into that. Uh, who deserves their laurels? And also three honorable mentions, because it was hard to choose. Uh, we'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors here at Locked On NHL Prospects. Alrighty, so it's three stars time here in our final segment. We'll go through the honorable mentions first because there were a couple names that could have earned a star uh, and just missed the cut. Obviously, we just talked about him. Matisse Rousseau had a fantastic game. Uh, and again, what's the only reason Canada was anywhere near, um, you know, being close in this game against Sweden. Um, but it was a 2 nothing loss. It's hard to give him the laurels. We just but, had to but, mention his name for that fantastic save he did, right? 
did you see just how happy he was when he was accepting his player of the game award? It was just pure pride. He knew exactly how well he played. I'm pretty sure he'd already seen the replay of Henrik Lundqvist like applauding and wowing at his save. Game of a lifetime in a 2-0 loss is something interesting for Team Canada, but Matsis Russo, yeah. what a day for him and uh, truly deserved for an HM here on our list. Absolutely, and I don't think it's going to be the last time we hear his name. I'd be very surprised if you don't hear his name on draft day. Uh, these kind of tournaments are where these guys get noticed, and yeah. I would not be surprised at all. And he's been really, really good in the QMJHL as well. You can do worse yeah. than that with a sixth or seventh round pick, right? I mean, it's just he, he's doing really well. Um, but another are weird. Honor- Absolutely, they are. Absolutely, they are. Uh, moving on to Isaac Howard as another honorable mention. Scored the first goal, scored the shootout winner. That Selly alone put him in this conversation. He was just style amazing. Points. Absolutely. He earned style points and earns an honorable mention on um, our roster here. And it was just difficult outside of him to choose an honorable mention out of the USA uh, Czechia game. Um, that game overall didn't have really many standouts. Yuri Kulik was average. Uh, Edward Chala. He earned an assist, but overall was just kind of average as well. Lane um, Hudson was good, but yeah. it was a more subtle game. And I think we're going to keep our, our star for Lane Hudson for a game where there's more production behind it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another honorable mention who really barely missed a cut was Michael Branzek Newgard out of uh, the Norway roster. Two goals, one assist. Yes, it's an 8-4 loss, but he was lights out in that game and showed exactly why you know he can um he can become a bona fide top 10 pick and this is a type of player that like he reminds me a lot of cutter Gochi in his draft year and i've mentioned this before i would not be surprised if he's the type of player who was was circling around the kind of 10 to 20 mark but then an nhl team gets a good look at him at an international tournament and goes this is our guy and picks him in the top five i would not be surprised at all um what do you think about that though do you think that's a likelihood yeah I don't know, likelihood, uh, definitely possibility. I, I, I can see you, I, I think we are falling in love with with MBN as a player. And while I don't think he's going to crack our top five at Dauber, he's going to be a pretty, pretty much a mainstay in our top 10, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, barring any surprises uh, in terms of, of late risers. But considering he scored two goals against the best goaltender in this tournament and Adam Guyon so far, not, not bad, not half bad. Yeah. Absolutely, and showing everyone that the uh, the score sheet uh, in the Alsvenskan is not what should be what you should be looking mm-hmm. for when trying to scout Michael Branzeg Newgard. He has an offensive skill set that works. He has a shot that works. It's already an NHL shot. On top of being a very mature, very poised, very composed player with high end offensive instincts um, and defensive instincts, he's just such a such a mature player in terms of a skill set. Uh, but now mm. let's get it to the three stars uh, for real this time. Let's start off with the third star. We went with Servak Petrovsky. I had to make a push for him. Um, he has been the most consistent player in, in this tournament so far, and it's also leading the league in po- leading the tournament in points right now by two. So exactly, it's it's not it's not close really. He's he's doing a great job so far for for um, for Slovakia, and his chemistry with Philip Meshar has allowed him to play his game to get pucks in dangerous areas to, to showcase his one-timer. And, you know, when Meshar gets a bit too explorative, you know, gets caught high up, that's fine. Servak Petrovsky's there to kind of clean up the mess at times. He's also really good defensively. So overall, I thought he had a great, great game against uh, Norway and deserved this star. Um, and then the second star is Yeri Lassila. 
uh, out of uh, the uh, the Finnish uh, the Finnish roster. The captain of Finland again, an overager who wasn't drafted last year, but is time and time again the player that you can default to when your team doesn't score, right? For sure, he's been just excellent so far in this tournament, and I mean, as we mentioned earlier, definitely going to start digging a little bit deeper in there as as a draftable overager. Uh, but he's been lights out so far in this tournament, and you always have to love an underdog story of an undrafted kid be captaining his his nation at the World Junior Championships, and when it's a nation as established as Finland in this tournament. You don't even usually see late draft picks captaining this team. So for an undrafted player to, to do so while leading the charge offensively, yeah, very, very impressive. Absolutely. And now the first start. This one was difficult. We had started off by giving it solely to Hugo Havilid, but talking about it a bit more, I realized that Hugo Havilid wasn't the key reason that kid that sweden shut out canada so we decided to give the first tar to the entire swedish decor and hugo havilid as a combined uh defensive element for sweden they were yeah. fantastic they, every lane cut off every pass basically at risk of being intercepted for canada um defense when we're jumping into boards to get into battles um coming out with the puck regularly uh i, I thought you know Obviously, Anton Johansson with the early hit, kind of iffy. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, you look at the other defensemen that were playing on this court. Uh, Matthias Havilid, who's Hugo Havilid's twin brother, fantastic game. Was explosive in this game every time he got the puck. Um, defensively, their elements were really good. Elias Pettersson, the defenseman for Sweden, um, who's, who's playing on the first pair right now, had a fantastic, fantastic game. And yeah, overall... It's hard to find a flaw in their defensive core, and there's a reason. There's a reason why every game for Sweden is just the most electric, um, on uh, you know, in terms of the the fans and the stands. Because you know, obviously, it is in Sweden, but the Swedish team's giving them something to cheer for this year. Like they've got a shot at this, right? Oh, they really are. And I mean, I, I remember before the tournament started, and we we're doing a lot like multiple mailbags about the tournament. One of the questions that kept popping up was. The Swedish decor, how many right-handed defensemen are going to be in there? Is it going to be okay with all those right shots? It's looking pretty good to me. And they just brought all the best players, did not really care about handedness too, too much. They yeah. brought Tom Volander, who, in terms of handedness, was a bit of an underdog because he was, like, what, the fourth or fifth string right shot defenseman in that depth chart. But And he scored against went, Canada. And he <laughs> scored against Canada. So... Yeah. I think that 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 the structure of the team was really well calculated. I've been very impressed with Sweden's coaching and their management and deciding who to bring to the tournament. Theo Lindstein has been very very impressive as a like a depth defenseman for Sweden, eating up a lot of those like more difficult and defensive minutes. And he was a late addition to the tournament too. He was a last minute call up. So everything is just kind of falling into place here for Sweden and uh, their performances have just been lights out. But yeah, I, I remember pondering after that, that Canada Sweden game, Hugo Havlin was really, really good in that game. And, and he was like, like we, we can't forget about Hugo Havlin. He was lights out brilliant. I mean, Sweden has conceded zero goals in three games so far in this tournament and Havlin started two of those. Yeah. But it's the entire defensive effort, top to bottom, from the coaching to the player to the player selection to the goaltending. Everything has just been working out brilliantly for Sweden on the defensive side of the puck. And as much as it's fun to watch offensive hockey, 
there's something so satisfying and wonderful of watching a hard-fought battle where, yes, you're seeing a lot of offensive flair and skill. There's no shortage of that in this in this game. But it was a defensive struggle, and it was structure that won the game, not ramp and skill. And for a game between two highly skilled lineups, I love to see that. Absolutely. And it's it's so rare to see it at a tournament like this, where players are often playing together cohesively for the first time to be able to put together a structural performance. It's so rare and it's so beautiful to see because it looks a lot more like NHL hockey than junior it does, hockey. Yeah. It it's it's and that's the separating factor. Playing inside structure is key for any player trying to, to to reach the next level. If you're able to 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 buy into a system and play it perfectly, you're a lot more likely to to climb the ranks very very quickly versus a player who has more skill than you but doesn't buy into the structure. Um, so I'm excited to see what the Swedish team does as they as they climb the ranks because there are a lot of really interesting names in here, um, especially at forward with Felix and Grossorum basically making this his team. I I I. I'm so I'm sold on him. And I was after, you know, ca catching my first glimpses of him halfway through the draft year last year, I was immediately like, Oh wow, this is a player who thinks the game at an advanced level, but with the improvements to his skating, with the improvements to his handling, um, with the added dare to his passing as well, yeah. has just become the key kind of central figure, the key creative figure for 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 Sweden moving forward up the ice. Um, so yeah, that's one player especially I'm looking forward to seeing because he was he's been fantastic throughout this tournament. But in in this last game, it seemed like every play he was making was connecting really well. Um, but that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. We've got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports uh, on a 24-7 news channel. Uh, really great watch. Make sure to check it out. And make sure to tune in for the rest of the week here as we continue our prospects coverage uh, for the month of January and for the World Juniors especially. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.